It's time for JT the Brick. Big boy radio. And we're going balls out. Are you with me on this? Do me a favor and surprise me today. Shot down the field. Wide open Adams. Has it at the 20. 10-yard line. Goodbye. Touchdown Raiders. You can't say they're rebuilding with Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, and Devontae. Down to five on the play clock. Gets the snap. Hands off to Jacob. Stutters to the right. Burst through the whole 20. 25-30. He's off to the races. Here in Seattle, nobody's going to catch him. 25-20. 10. Full game. JT the Brick. You don't bring in Jimmy Garoppolo if you're rebuilding. I want to go get a ring, get the silver and black back to where it should be. I am ready to go. Wake up this town. Did I miss anything? Call and let's see what you got. And now, woo, here's JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, JT, with you today on a beautiful Monday on Raider Nation Radio as the heat is starting to come, man. It looks like it's going to be here by Thursday or Friday. And if you've been here for the first time or if you've been here a while, you know what, it, you know what the difference between... 96 and 108 is, I still think 108's manageable. 108 feels like 100. 114 feels like 114. I like anything up to 110. I love the heat. I love the sun. I like when the weather's perfect. It gets a little bit hot, but we're probably used to it out here. So we'll see what happens by the end of the week. A couple of things I want to bring up. I want to reference uh, Vinny's column. I texted Vinny today. Uh, great job. He put out a column for Vegas Nation projecting the Raiders' 53-man roster is training camp loons. It's awesome. Every Raider fan should read it. It'll get you right up to speed with what's going on. What's going on at every position uh, on Vinny's voice, and Vinny's embedded with the team as much as anybody. I went to the Aces game on Saturday night. I wanted to bring this up because i never been. And you might ask, how have I never been to an Aces game? I usually work nights, especially last year with their championship, five to six nights a week. So I didn't get a chance to go, and the Raiders invited me, a couple of friends from the Raiders, Justin Fargus, remember him, the running back, his wife, Nikki's the president of the team, and Teo Johnson, who's great, the former tight end, the Stanford great basketball player, Raider tight end, invited me and my wife to come, and we went Saturday night and had a blast. And I want to give, uh, I want to say a couple of things about the product. First off, we know the connection with Mark Davis. I'm pro Mark Davis. I'm thrilled he won a championship, want one desperately for the Raiders. That was a hell of a product that they put out. An unbelievable product. I mean, three aces got the all-star call. Wilson, Young, and Gray named to the starting roles. I'm watching that game, and we were up in the we were up in a box. They have that Michelob Ultra Arena. In their high level, they have a box for friends and families, and the Raiders rookies were there. Michael Mayer. And we saw a whole bunch of uh, players, Chris Smith the uh, second, a lot of Adam Plant, who I was with last week. They were there with their families. The Raiders do a hell of a job keeping these rookies busy because they're under the watch of the Raiders now. They're at hockey games. Uh, they're going to Aces games. They are kept busy because they're rookies. They don't know the town. Most of them, Adam does because he played at Gorman and went to UNLV. But to be up there and have a good time and to sit there and watch the Aces just steamroll another victory again I'm not the bandwagon crazy guy I want everybody to do well in this town it was the first time I got a chance to see the product and I was so impressed and I talked to Larry Delson a great friend uh, high up with the Aces obviously and the Raiders and we talked after the game ended for about a half hour and looked down at the empty court and we're talking about the team and how good they are and you know how they built this new facility next to the Raiders that is state-of-the-art I'm going to be taking a tour of that pretty shortly here, but I just wanted to congratulate Nikki Fargus 
for the job she's doing along with everybody who was there. Sandra Douglas Morgan, the president of the Raiders, were there. A whole bunch of people were mulling around upstairs, and we had a beautiful time. It was fantastic. So the experience overall of getting into Mandalay Bay, and then I, I, I was telling Teo how many fights I've seen there. It seemed like Pacquiao fought at Mandalay Bay more than anybody. i got to go back and look, but Manny Pacquiao fought in that arena. So I would always go to Mandalay Bay to see Tiger Jam, Kid Rock, Obviously, the fights, and I haven't been back in a long time, and they did a nice job. You could eat off the floors. It looked brand new. The suite section was fantastic. When we went down afterwards onto the court after the game, you look around. It's a big-time arena. It was a lot of fun, and the aces looked great. So, uh, buddy T.C. Martin, who does radio in town, he's their play-by-play voice. That's Chet Buchanan, who does an unbelievable job as an MC in town and a voice. He's the voice out there on the court. Great to see them, and... Fantastic. Congratulations to the Aces for everything they have going. Look, I'm not guaranteeing anything because I'm not an expert in the WNBA, but they look unbelievable. I mean, that behind-the-back pass looked like the Harlem Globetrotters. It was bleeping incredible to see how much better they were than their opponent. So hopefully they make another run and we have another parade here with the Aces. But I wanted to get to Vinny's column. Vinny put this column out over the weekend here, projecting the Raiders' 53-man roster as training camp looms. And he writes, and I'm going to be reading this directly from Vinny. The Raiders will have 91 players in training camp competing for spots on the 53-man roster. Here is your best bet early guess of who's going to make the team. So as he went down this road, a couple of the takeaways that I thought were really important is, you know, everybody's wondering about Jimmy Garoppolo. Is Jimmy going to play? Where's Jimmy? Oh, my God, is Jimmy going to play? Jimmy looks to be good. Jimmy looks to be really good. Uh, again, I said name-dropping. I've seen him a number of times over the last couple of weeks, and he's looking like he's going to be ready to go. And Vinny wrote about that at length. He said the lowdown. Here's what he says, the lowdown. The Raiders are banking on Garoppolo being cleared to play to start training camp, and that will ultimately be, be a better fit for their offense compared to Derek Carr. Ooh, strong opinion there who the Raiders released in February. But whether it's the foot injury Garoppolo is recovering from or his past history of injury issues, counting on him for a full season is risky business. O'Connell, a rookie from Purdue, will start uh, the season behind Hoyer, but the Raiders hope O'Connell eventually will unseat Hoyer as the clear backup. I agree. I have no problem with all that. You don't want to have to go to O'Connell as a quarterback early. Hoyer... I think is an outstanding backup quarterback. That's what he is, a backup. And he's one of the better ones in the league because he knows the system. Sometimes you get a backup quarterback, you bring him in. Oh, he's a really good quarterback. He's played great in the league. Well, he doesn't know the system. He's new to that team. We know that Hoyer knows the system if he's called on in a pinch. But this is all about Jimmy Garoppolo being able to play. Now, Vinny went to running back fullback, and he he said there'd be five guys there. And making the cut, Josh Jacobs, Amir White, Amir Abdullah, Britton Brown, Jakob Johnson, and he went through this and he said, keeping five running backs in a fullback, which the Raiders did last year, seems like a luxury considering they have to keep three quarterbacks. Let me stop. I agree. The Raiders had too many running backs last year, but it wasn't their fault. They didn't know Josh was going to lead the league in rushing. I've made that point a thousand times on this show. They didn't know they were testing and looking at Josh Jacobs' new regime. He blew everybody away. No one else got a chance to play. How many of these players will they keep this year? Everybody's looking forward to Zamir White. 
Then he got to wide receivers, said making the cut, Devontae, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, DeAndre Carter, Philip Dorsett, and Trey Tucker. In contention, these are on the outside looking in, DJ Turner, Keelan Cole, Chris Lacey, and Christian Wilkerson. And look, we know what's going on. He mentioned Renfro. There's been talk about the Raiders trading Renfro. This is from Vinny, who was set back last year by a concussion and various injuries. But Vinny nailed it on Hunter Renfro where we're at today. Not that he's going to guarantee be here or he wouldn't be traded. But Vinny put into his column, that would require someone surrendering fair value in return while taking on a $6.5 million salary for 2023 and the $11.1 million he has on the book for next year. Vinny wrote, that seems unlikely. I agree. But you never know because, as Vinny pointed out here, if a great wide receiver gets injured, a really good one in the preseason, then maybe Hunter Renfro could be an option for that team if a deal makes sense. I hope Hunter stays. I think it makes the Raiders elite. I think they're very good with Hunter here. They're an elite offense with Devontae and Jacoby and everything they have. Tight ends making the cut. I won't spend a lot of time here. Michael Mayer, Austin Hooper has Horstead uh, over O.J. Howard. But again, got to get the Notre Dame rookie up and running quickly so he can be great. Offensive line was very interesting. Colt Miller, Jermaine Illuminor, Dylan Parham, Alec Bars, Andre James Mumford, Heron, uh, Van Rotten as a look at this. He had in contention Brandon Parker. In contention. So there's going to be there's going to be a battle here for eight offensive linemen from Vinny Bonsignor from Vegas Nation, the lowdown. The Raiders go to training camp with an open mind about who ultimately claims starting jobs, specifically at right guard and right tackle where Bars and Illuminor We'll have to fend off competition. Let me stop. I've said this last year. I was wrong. I wasn't wrong badly. I just thought the Raiders would have got a good right tackle on cutdown. I say the same thing again. If Dave Ziegler can find a right tackle who's better than Illuminor or Brandon Parker, is available and gets cut from another team, I'd go all in for that player. Of course, if the contract makes sense, and it should be if he's cut from another team. Defensive line, Mad Max, Bilal Nichols, Jones, Tillery, Tyree Wilson, Jordan Willis, Neil Farrell, uh, Byron Young, Matthew Butler, and my guy, Nesta Jade Silvera, who was at the Aces game the other night. In contention, Malcolm Koontz. Ooh, Adam Plant, who I think is a great athlete. So the lowdown, keep an eye on this group. There's going to be a lot of battles. I agree with that. It's about the big core three. For me, the core three players, Mad Max, Chandler Jones, and Tyree Wilson. Those are three players where two out of those three players need to be on the field a lot. Max won't come off the field, but they're trying to get Max maybe to come off the field a little bit. Plays a lot of plays. And if you can put Chandler Jones in on one side and Tyree on the other and have that rotation, it's going to be well. I think the biggest camp battle is going to be at defensive tackle. They're loaded up there with some very good players. I don't think great players yet, but young players, the battle's there. Now, linebacker's always been my biggest concern here on Raider Nation Radio. It has been. Has been for a long time. We can't find linebackers. I did an event on Friday with Kirk Morrison, former Raider linebacker who led the team in tackles a few times. Before that, it was Greg Beekert. You know, that's what we're looking for. Kirk Morrison, Greg Beekert, Matt Millen. Matt Millen, borderline Hall of Famer, four Super Bowls. Not Lawrence Taylor, Ray Lewis. Just get someone on the field who can tackle someone and jump into coverage and cover a tight end. Wink, wink, Travis Kelsey. Vinny has making the cut, Divine Diablo, Robert Spillane, Luke Masterson, Darian Butler, Amari Bernie. Bernie's very important because he comes in here 
as a young rookie, and he looked very athletic with some safety skills at linebacker. I like him, but I haven't seen him play, so I don't know. Obviously, Devon Diablo is getting more press than any player I see this offseason, and Robert Spillane will play a lot. He was brought in to play. Uh, much like the defensive line, Vinny wrote, this is largely homegrown talent. The Raiders are counting on Diablo and Masterson to take big steps forward. Spillane, a free agent from Pittsburgh, adds a veteran presence. Bernie, a rookie from Florida. I like that. Now here's my favorite topic. Number one, the cornerback. Number one topic for me until the end of the preseason. We have three preseason games. The last one is who's going to be on the team at corner. Vinny has making the cut. Nate Hobbs, Duke Shelley, Jacorian Bennett, David Long, Brandon Faison, and Tyler Hall. In contention, Amik Robertson, Sam Webb. Let's stop there. So those are the players, Robertson and Sam Webb, along with Faison, Long, Tyler Hall, who are all going to compete. And Vinny wrote, along with the offensive line, this was the most difficult group to predict. I agree. I don't know what's going to happen here, but Vinny wrote, Marcus Peters, a veteran addition, could eventually show up. I think they should get him if the price is right because Peters is an instant day one starter. And you know what I think of uh, Nate Hobbs. Nate Hobbs has got to stay on the field. He's got to start. He's got to stay on the field on the outside or play slot. Nickel, whatever he's doing, don't take him off the field. The safety position's improved. Marcus Epps, I love Chris Smith just from meeting him as a person. Again, real quick story at the Aces game. He comes off the elevator. He recognizes me. I recognize him. I got my wife. Say, hey, can you take a picture with my wife? Absolutely. The guy is a class act. 23 years old, was amazing at the Raiders draft day luncheon. I think wise beyond his years. Two-time national champion at Georgia. I think was undefeated in the SEC for three years in a row. The guy's a gamer. I'm counting on him playing a lot. And I'm a big fan of Epps. And Trayvon Merrick has got to play well. And on specialist, I think the Raiders are great. Carlson and Cole especially. So great job. I want to spend some time with Vinny on this. Maybe we'll get him on. I hope to get him on middle of the week, Wednesday or Thursday, and go over this. He did a great job. So go to the Las Vegas Review Journal. Go to the Raiders section there online. And take a look at this, because not only did I print it out, I have it in my show prep, because I'm going to look at this throughout training camp. When training camp starts here in the end of July, and to see these players in these position battles, which I'm not a huge guy of big position battles on the back end, the practice player guys. But as Vinny pointed out, at the cornerback position, a defensive tackle position, offensive line, there's going to be one or two battles in all those position groups that can make or break the Raiders' season. Having the right offensive lineman instead of getting rid of the wrong one. Having the right young corner there instead of a veteran and needing him. These decisions are paramount for the Raiders to take it over the top. Uh, that analysis of Vinny's column brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde are attorneys here. Proud partners of Raider Nation Radio. Humble men who have a great law firm based on the legacy of their dad. We'll do everything for you. These are the guys. When I sit down and talk with them, I get it. Their law group is fantastic from the clerks to the young people behind the scenes to the attorneys that are coming up through the ranks. They're doing it at the DeCastaverde Law Group. 702-222-9999. JT, as we continue on Monday right here on the flagship of the Silver and Black, this is Raider Nation Radio.
a real one. Uh, I think sorry, yes, I'm repeating myself, but I think uh, a real one, a passionate one, uh, one that the fans could feel good about. That's I, I'm a big believer in that. You know, it's a spectator sport. We're putting out a show on there for the fans, and if we could do it in the right way, things will work out. That's Jimmy Garoppolo. How about that? JT, back with you. Brought to you by Remy Martin. July is the 75th anniversary of the margarita, famously created by Margaret Sam's in Mexico with Cointreau as a main ingredient. Celebrate the 75th anniversary of the margarita all summer long with Cointreau. Brooke Ladee and Brine, the gentleman's perfect combination. Brooke Ladee Scotch is the perfect summer pairing with seafood and oysters. We are locked in for July, but especially the 75th anniversary of the margarita. Would you have guessed that? I would have said a little bit longer, but I like it with Cointreau and the 75th anniversary of Margarita right there all summer long with Cointreau. Fantastic partnership we have with Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Okay, so Bobby, in a moment, Bobby found some good content with me. I think this is a really good website to look at if you like the NFL. When it comes to the NFL, our job on this radio station, at least I believe, our job is, is to give you good sports content. Number two is to give you good Raiders content. Sports is what we do. Raiders is what we do more so than others. The 33rd team, which is a website and a platform with NFL content from current and former players, coaches, and executives, had our own Rich Gannon sit down with Josh McDaniels. We found that. Bobby saw it. We're going to play a little of it here. It's about 10 or 15 minutes of it, Bobby. I think maybe we'll stop it halfway through. We'll see how it sounds. I'm sure it's really good. Anything with Rich Gannon is fantastic. But our summer contest, we are excited about what we have going here on Raider Nation Radio and especially Lotus Broadcasting. Qualify to win four tickets to an Aviators game and have a shot at winning the weekly grand prize. This week's trip is five days in Maui and $1,500 cash. Or you can take the $3,000 in cash, take the trip, or take the cash. It's the summer of fun. Call in. We'll take the fifth caller at 702-365-9200. This is to qualify. This is to qualify. Summer of fun, 702-365-9200. Here's Rich Gannon with Josh McDaniels. Josh, thanks for spending a few minutes with us. You know, I know that after last season, you and Dave got right to work. And you start with personnel evaluation, scheme evaluation, staff evaluation. Let's start on the defensive side of the ball. I know when you and I talked last preseason, you talked about creating more negative plays, more sacks, more takeaways. That didn't happen in 2022, but let's talk about the evaluation defensively. Where do you guys need to be better in 2023? Yeah, I think, you know, when, when you talk about, you know, the teams that are playing the best, you know, the best football on the defensive side, this, you know, in our league now, it's guys that can create long yarded situations, negative plays with the front, um, you know, and get their hands on the ball in the passing game or, or sack the quarterback. And so, you know, we knew, you know, we have a, we have a great player in Max Crosby. Uh, we have some other guys, you know, that did some things last year for us, but we wanted to try to add to our group in, uh, in ways where we felt like we could be more explosive, um, you know, create uh, negative situations uh, with the front and try to create more turnovers and takeaway opportunities by getting our hands on the ball. And so that was really a, a focus for us as we went into the offseason. Um, you know, we, we had a, a kind of a two, uh, 
uh, a two-tiered philosophy in that regard in terms of developing the guys that are here uh, that we want to, you know, try to improve and, and, and help them be better players and help them uh, do some of those things themselves. And then also try to, you know, see if we couldn't, you know, through free agency and or the draft, uh, acquire a few guys that, you know, could potentially uh, do some of those things as well. So, um, you know, we've, we've tried to do that. I thought we added a few pieces in free agency um, down the middle of our defense with Marcus Epps, Belaine, the linebacker from Pittsburgh. Um, you know, we added Faison, who was here before, uh, you know, and we're able to bring back Jerry Tillery, Adam Butler in free agency up front. Um, you know, so there's some guys there that hopefully can – can improve, uh, you know, those portions of our game. And then we're fortunate to have an opportunity in the draft uh, to get, you know, uh, to get a few guys that we feel like eventually will be able to help us in those areas. Offensively, we talk a lot about it's all about production and consistency. There were some times last year where you guys were really rolling. Other times it was more of a struggle. Just talk about when you look back on 2022, areas where you feel you'll be better moving forward. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you know, you're right. I thought we, you know, there were there were really good stretches where we ran the ball very well. Obviously Josh had a great year. I thought our offensive line improved as the season wore on. Um, you know, we, we, we turned the ball over too much and, um, you know, anytime you lose the turnover margin as many times as we did during the course of the season, um, you know, it's just hard to overcome that, you know, too many times. And, and end up winning, you know, more of those games than you lose. So, um, you know, protecting the football has obviously got to be paramount for us as we go into this season. Um, you know, it's something that we've preached from the moment we got here, and we're going to need to continue to improve on it. Um, we weren't great in the red area. Uh, and, again, another huge part of winning and losing in our game is scoring. You know, obviously, if you, if you don't have more points than the opponent, you're not going to win. So, you know, being able to improve in that area – being able to protect the football better offensively and then try to try to be more consistent, you know, from week to week, there was games where we, you know, put up 450 plus yards and we're really executing at a high level. And then there's other games where we struggle. And so um, our overall ability to do those things obviously will be important for us in terms of our overall improvement. Yeah. And playing complimentary football. I mean, you put up 450 yards and you score a lot of points. You got to be able to get off the field defensively. I do want to ask you about the quarterback room. It looks very different in 2023. There's a certain comfort level, I think, as coaches in working with people that we have a history with. And you look at the quarterback room now with the Raiders. you got Jimmy Garoppolo. you got Brian Horry. you got, obviously, a certain comfort level with these two that you help develop as young players. And, of course, you in the draft, you aid add Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. So just talk us through what this quarterback room is going to look like in 23. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it, you're right about that. Um, you know, it, it doesn't mean you can't get comfortable with other players. And um, certainly uh, I've had an opportunity to work with a number of different guys and um, this will be uh, the fifth year in a row that I've uh, probably entered the season with a new starting quarterback. And so for me, this stretch has been a little different, a little unique. I had a long stretch there where it was really, Mostly one guy, um, you know, and, and we know who pretty, that is. Pretty was. unique guy, Coach. Yeah, he's a pretty good player. Uh, <laughs> Makes your you job know. a little bit easier. Probably more difficult to prepare when you got a guy like Brady because he's he's so demanding. You know, he's used yeah. to he's used to things being done a certain way. But uh, you know, 
when you talk about having to train different players, that's that makes yeah. that makes head coaches a bit uncomfortable. It does, and and I think look, that's part of the process, as part of our job. And um, the one thing I would you know say about this group this year is uh, very excited uh, for those guys to work together. Um, I think we got a really good group. Uh, the young guy has already you know, been able to reap the benefit of, of learning from Brian and Jimmy in the meeting room and understanding how to operate certain things within the offense. And ultimately we want guys that, you know, um, you know, they're going to work hard, going to try to take care of the football, going to be good leaders. Um, you can't really play this position in the national football league if you're not. And then we got to be able to be productive. You know, we got to get our team in the end zone. And so, um, you know, our, our quarterbacks will ultimately be judged just like the head coach will be, you know, how many games do we win or lose? And so, um, you know, like Jim, really like Jimmy Garoppolo, I've, I've obviously been fond of him since the moment we drafted him in New England. Um, he's got a lot of uh, str- strengths uh, that have obviously been on display in San Francisco for the last so many years. Um, he's won a lot of games and, you know, he's played at a high level and taken his team, you know, to, to important games late in the year. So, um, looking forward to working with all those guys. Um, really feel uh, good about what we tried to accomplish in the spring. We're able to do, and uh, looking forward to training camp. You know, I know after the draft, the coaches, the, the front office, the scouts, everybody's excited to get these guys in the building and get them in the meeting rooms, get them on the practice field, see how they respond. Just your initial thoughts on this Raider draft class, starting with Tyree Wilson and Michael Mayer. Yeah, um, it's the same feeling. You know, we were excited about the guys we were able to acquire, um, you know, and, and we, you know, we went in the, to the draft, you know, trying to, you know, acquire as many tough, smart, mature, explosive players that we could. And those are the words we kept using over again. And that's the kind of football team we want to build. And so um, I think we were able to draft seven captains out of the nine players. So we wanted to add some guys that, that had some leadership qualities to them that, um, that work the way that we want to work, that can fit into our culture and, and go about our day-to-day uh, process here. Uh, we thought we did that. Um, we got some guys that really can learn quickly. Uh, we know how important that is to uh, allowing rookies to play early. I mean, it's it's hard if you, you know, if everything takes, you know, four mistakes before you can correct it and get it right and get them on the field. So um, we think we did that. Uh, the spring was important for all those guys in different ways. Uh, they took a lot of reps, the guys that were able to be out there on the field uh, doing that. And uh, and we're looking forward to all of them being ready to go at training camp. Uh, they're still working with our strength and conditioning people to really kind of put the finishing touches on being prepared physically to go into an NFL training camp. Um, and, and like I said, we like the group a lot. Uh, looking forward to working with them this year. All right, Coach, let's shift, shift gears a little bit. Uh, obviously, you were – the beneficiary of some really good coaching growing up. Your dad obviously had great success uh, in high school in Ohio. You went to college in Ohio. When, when did you know you wanted to make coaching a profession? Uh, as soon as I knew I wasn't going to be big enough to keep playing. <laughs> uh, that's really the answer. Uh, I, to me, since I, I was going to two a day since I was five years old. So it was 1981, 82. Um, and I was going every, every summer with my father, um, he became the head coach at Canton McKinley in 82. And um, literally I look forward to, he would wake me up every, every morning in August and we would head over at five 30 and stop at the donut shop and get a little, you know, carton of milk and a donut. And, and we'd, I'd, I'd be sitting in the locker and waiting for everybody to get there. And, and he'd be up there, you know, doing his practice plan and all that stuff. So 
Um, I knew I wanted to play uh, from a very young age. And then obviously being around him and, and being able to see as much as I was able to see uh, as the son of a coach, uh, I knew I was going to end up wanting to be in the game, whether I was playing or coaching uh, for the rest of my life. And, you know, what a what an opportunity uh, to really just see, uh, you know, him work at a high level, uh, him do all the things that a head coach has to do, which uh, we know is there's there, those are various responsibilities that's you know span a lot of different people. So um, I knew it from when when I was very young. You know, you got exposed to a lot of great coaches early in your career. Nick Saban at Michigan State, obviously Coach Belichick in New England. I'm sure you're asked a ton of questions about what that experience was like. But I do want to ask you on game day in the headset. What was it like with Coach Belichick? The, the conversations back and forth. Yeah, um, the you know the things that I remember most on game day is how uh, in control and uh, in the moment he always was. Um, he was very um, he was very good about letting me call the game, um, and he knew when to say something. And, and really a lot of times when, when to not ever say anything, you know, and, you know, you know, as a play caller, you get into a rhythm and you're kind of going and all the rest of it. And um, he knew the, the, the right times to sneak in a, a reminder or, a, you know, a heads up about the situation we were entering into or, or something like that. And, and he was great about doing that. Mostly he let me do my job and, and then, um, you know, after the series, you know, you, he might have a question or two and, uh, he was a great listener and, uh, you know, he was always, he, we never did anything because he was the head coach and he just wanted to do it because he was the head coach. You know what I mean? It was, he, he had an idea or a thought and he made ask for your input on it. And if your idea was better than his, then we were going to do the right idea. And, and obviously mostly there would be his, but, um, he was tremendous for me. Uh, learned a tremendous amount about how to interact on game day, keep your poise, be calm, understand the situation, see the bigger picture, um, you know, and, and, and make the right call, the right adjustment at the right time. And um, but I, he he was tremendous for me for a long, long time. Just two quick questions. So. You know how important leadership it is. Great organizations have it at every level of the organization, owner, head coach, general manager, quarterback. What leadership traits that have you learned and, and experienced uh, throughout your career do you think translate beyond the game? Um, I think, you know, I, I think the, the, the ability to create the relationships that you need in order to push people um, the way you want to push them and hold them accountable uh, to the standard that you, that you put in place, uh, it's really important. And I think, you know, I've learned a lot through um, – through watching and listening. I've, I've learned a lot through uh, failing at different times uh, to do so, uh, whatever that might have been in my career um, and trying to self-reflect on that. But, you know, once you have the relationships uh, that you need and that takes time and it takes effort, you know, and you have to care about them off the field, you have to care about uh, their personal situations. And um, once you invest in that and you have, you know, the ability to create bonds that are, going to last long beyond the game and long beyond when you're coaching them, uh, then you can push them appropriately and lead them the right way. And I think that applies to our staff here. I think it applies to our team, you know, and, and really everybody in the building. Cause I feel like, you know, in our positions now, it's our responsibility to 
be a, a great resource for everybody here. Uh, everybody has aspirations to grow and improve themselves. And I was in their shoes once and I know how I felt and the people that I looked up to and that were in those roles really did a great job of helping me achieve my, my dreams and aspirations. And uh, I know that's a big part of what I need to do now. All right, last one. I know you absolutely love and respect the history of the game. So going back in time, if there is a player that you would have loved to have coached, who is it? And if there's a coach that you would have loved to go up against, whether it's Lombardi or Hollis or Noel or Bill Walsh, is there a coach that you think that, that boy, that would have been a great, a great battle between two brilliant minds? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of them that come to mind right now. Um, I've always been a big Bill Walsh fan. I've read a lot about him. I got to meet him at one of the, the coaches' symposiums when I was young um, and listened to him speak uh, briefly. Um, I've always been really uh, enthralled with, you know, the the things that he would do that nobody really talked about, the way his practice plans are set up and how much he learned from his young experience you know, his influence and Paul Brown and some of those people that had an impact on him when he was growing uh, as a younger coach. I think it would probably have been great to have an opportunity to compete against him. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate I had an opportunity to compete against, you know, Joe Gibbs and Bill Parcells and, you know, some of the guys that I really, really looked up to. Um, I would have loved to, to have an opportunity to coach against Jimmy Johnson. Um, you know, I've, I've recently had an opportunity to get to know him a little better and, um, what a great coach, great guy, great football mind. Um, you know, would have been really exciting. And in terms of players, um, you know, there's, oh boy, there's a lot of them that come to mind. Uh, when I was growing up, obviously I was a huge Joe Montana fan and, and just able to watch him, you know, do the things he did, you know, when he played and the way he distributed the ball, the way he saw the field, the way he ran the team. Um, I, I, I had an opportunity and a privilege to coach Tom and, and be around him for a long time. And I'd imagine that that's what that felt like. And uh, there's a lot of great quarterbacks I would have wished I had had an opportunity to have, you know, the, the chance to work with or just be around. But Joe was my, was my guy when I was growing up and, and always the guy that I looked up to. Coach, thanks for a few minutes. Training camp is right around the corner. Can't wait to get down there and, and start the preseason package. But uh, good luck. Enjoy some downtime before training camp. Will do, Rich. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you. Look forward to seeing you in training camp. That was outstanding. Rich Gannon exclusively with Josh McDaniels. And Bobby found that. I, I follow that site, and we find it here, and boom, uh, that's a good 15 minutes of content. Wow. That was a deep dive into what Josh McDaniels sounds like with a former MVP. And Rich Gannon, and you know it's tough. I interview Coach every week, and that was 15 minutes of. Con- I did. I, I wanted to hear about Bill Walsh more, and you know working with Tom Brady is one thing. Fascinating that Josh McDaniels, as an assistant, as a coordinator, coached against Parcells, coached against Joe Gibbs, right? Starting off, but then you can go back, and Rich got him to talk about the Bill Walsh time and Joe Montana as a kid. I never would have known that Josh McDaniels' favorite player was Joe Montana. Very interesting as an offensive mind. And then showing up as a young boy with his dad to two-a-days in August when he was a little kid in Ohio, that rooted him in football and why he loves football. There are several people that I've talked to in person and privately that talk about the mind of Josh McDaniels. 
You might, he might not be the coach that you want him to be right now, and Raider fans have high expectations. We're on that journey. I get it. But pound for pound, more and more people have told me about his football knowledge is close to second to none. You will not find many people in the industry of professional football who will say Josh McDaniels doesn't have unbelievable history and knowledge of the game. He's the only coordinator ever to win six Super Bowls. Yeah, he did it with Tom Brady. You don't get a penalty for that. It's a luxury to coach for Tom Brady. As I told someone the other night at the Aces game, he called every play, every play when Tom Brady was trailing 28-3 to in the Super Bowl and came back and won. You can argue, but what's the greatest offensive play-calling set in Super Bowl history? You could say Joe Namath winning. That's the biggest upset of all time. Whatever you want to do. You cannot uh, deny the fact that Josh McDaniels has called some of the biggest plays that were executed, drawn up by him, delivered to Brady. And, of course, Brady executed the play. That was his job. Now we got to get Jimmy Garoppolo to take the same plays, same system, execute the Brady plays. Do what you're supposed to do in the system. And I have confidence in him as an offensive guy. How could you not? You look pretty ridiculous if you don't have confidence in a guy who's done all that. The question is, how does he get the entire team on the same page with Patrick Graham on defense, offensive line coach, special teams coach, and have this team click? The offense, to me, has got to be where it starts. You want the defense to improve, I think the defense will improve. I think they have better players tied to better contracts than they inherited. But the offense has got to dominate. The offense has got to keep the defense off the field, play at a very high level to get it done. All right, we gave you a lot today. Kind of scrambled egg this show together. Uh, we got a big book show coming up tomorrow. If you want to get in, last call, 702-365-9200. Bobby knows whenever there's a time where we're giving away stuff, I'm all good for giveaways. I like calls better than giveaways. And I know Bobby walks me off the ledge. We have to give this away today. We got a great summer contest. Someone's going to Maui at a Lotus Broadcasting. Someone's going to win one heck of a trip And we're excited about that. That'll be a lot of fun. I want to tell you what happened quickly at Resorts World. It was their two-year anniversary. I went to their new campaign the night before. Scott Sabella, the president of the property, great friend, proud partner, invited us down. And we went there and we saw the launch of what they're doing at Resorts World heading into their two-year anniversary. It was absolutely spectacular. Now, going forward, you're going to see Resorts World in this campaign all over the place, all over several television packages, you're going to see it digital, you're going to see it in print. They're doing a big job to remind everybody how special this is. Let's rule the world is the promotion. We watched the videos, we sat back. Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders, were in several of the promotional videos, which I thought were really cool. What I love about Resorts World, not as it, it's, the, it's not only the newest and greatest property here on the Strip, And it's just fantastic. More and more things are activating inside the property. Restaurants, what they're doing at the pool, Zook Nightclub. Everything they're doing, they're letting us know. And then we get it out on the radio to you. That's our partnership. But especially sports, because they have Doghouse Saloon. Right when you come in off the parking, it's right there. We walked by it the other night for the two-year anniversary. It was packed. The sports book is there. They had a band performing. They had sports up, the lines, everything you could see. Resorts World, Scott Sabella's vision of how we're doing it here in Vegas, and it's off to a tremendous start. Congratulations to Resorts World on their two-year anniversary. Proud partners of ours right here on Raider Nation Radio. We'll wrap it up coming up here on the other side. We'll tell you what we got lined up the rest of the week. Fourth of July coming right around the corner. Going to be spending a little bit of time in one of my favorite spots. 
San Diego, place I go every July, and we'll continue to go. And we got some good shows coming up around that. Q's having a great vacation. Our lineup is rocking, and you can hear us all live on the Raiders mobile app. Ace's biggest lead has been 12. Parker has the top of the key. Back over to Jackie. Jackie now has it. Shakes hole. Goes down the lane. Jackie wants to get a shot up. Instead, kicks it a plumb for three. Bingo! KP for three. Big bucket there. It's TC Martin on the call. As I was at the Aces game on Saturday night, good to see a lot of people out there. Pretty boy Floyd Mayweather walked in. And I don't know, most my wife couldn't walk in with a big purse like that. Floyd did. Don't know how much money he had. Uh, my wife had a tiny, tiny thing there. She knows the rules. Floyd walked in with the money team with a big... He still travels with cash to gamble. There is no lie there, no debate. He backs it up. He is rolling through town with a bodyguard and cash. As the great philosopher Randy Moss once said, straight cash, homie. Floyd's walking into Michelob Ultra Arena with a satchel. I'm assuming there's cash in there. I'm assuming. I'm sure they check it because he comes in. you got to go through the machine, and I'm sure there's a lot of cash. Good job by Bobby today. A lot of fun show. This, this Antonio Brown story, I can tie it into this because there was there for hard knocks. When John Gruden brought him in, he brought him in for the right reasons. I promise you. The guy was great at this time. Antonio Brown was like Devontae, very similar to Devontae. He was the best receiver in football. Should he have been vetted more to know he was a head coach? Mike Tomlin had him. Mike Tomlin kind of kept it low. We knew that Antonio Brown was making some mistakes with a Facebook Live post. We didn't know that his mental capacity was dwindling. We didn't know. I don't think John Gruden knew or anybody knew. They just knew he was a great player. So when he was up in Napa, for hard knocks, and he came in on the balloon. True story. Came in on the balloon with the limo with the frozen feet. I was there. I made it on hard knocks. I was just sitting there in the crowd, and there wasn't me raising my hand or trying to get in. I was on the sidelines. And Antonio Brown was with his kids, and his, he couldn't play because of his feet issues. And he was with his kids, and his kids were adorable. He was playing with his kids, and the first impression of this guy was, wow, he looks like he's going to really help this team out. Since then, I could say in sports – He's probably the top athlete who has mentally deteriorated more than anyone. I never like to say for karma it's going to end ugly, but there's another story with him. The Albany Empires, which was a team he was involved with in ownership, and their players are now filing a first-class action lawsuit against Antonio Brown after he said he pulled paychecks back out of their bank accounts for the final game. And this is according to the Albany Times-Tribune, the union there. Empire coach Mo Leggard said that he and the players were paid for days after their final game against the Orlando Predators as expected, but less than a week later, they realized the paychecks have been reversed and taken back out of the respected bank accounts. This is huge. The alleged issue is just the latest for Antonio Brown and what he's now doing facing the National Arena League. The NAL terminated the franchise and kicked it out of the league earlier this month after it said Antonio Brown fa failed to make required payments to the league's operating budget. Who in their right mind would have done business with Antonio Brown where he would be involved with any type of money and writing checks and putting his name next to it 
The league also said the Brown that Brown failed to pay a one thousand dollar fine for public comments, but it's unclear what comments the NAL was referring to. Brown allegedly owed the league twenty one thousand dollars. Now we're talking about a guy who had multi millions. Now he's down to thousands. Really big problems over the years with the police, domestic issues, yelling at the mothers of his kids, his mental instability. He needs a complete psychiatric evaluation. I believe I've been saying it needs to be protected from himself. It was, you know, he's 34 years old. He could still be playing. Yeah, he could still be playing. He would have been a good player after he was the greatest receiver in football, the greatest for a couple of years, what Devontae's going through now, Larry Fitzgerald. He could have slid into being a slot receiver. So remember, in life, you don't have to be number one. You can be the second or third or fourth receiver. They carry six. He would have been perfect popping from team to team, playing in the slot. Look what he did with Tampa Bay when they won the Super Bowl and caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. But since then, his career spiraled downhill fast. He hasn't played since he stripped off his gear and ran off the field in the middle of a Buccaneers game at the end of the 2021 season. He's also faced battery and burglary charges, and multiple allegations of rape and sexual misconduct. You want to talk about a guaranteed lock Hall of Famer. He was a lock to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame after six years. All he had to do was put up another maybe two, two more years of those numbers. He would have walked right into Canton, Ohio. Now he won't even be able to buy a ticket to get in there. What a fall from grace for Antonio Brown. Uh, Thanks to Maury Brown, who joined us a little bit earlier Tomorrow, Damon Bruce, the Maven up in San Francisco on what's going on with the Warriors. Jeff Sherman will join us from over at the Westgate. We'll talk to him about the moving odds. And some of the football odds now, because a lot of football insiders are betting the season total, and they're going to try to bet it before training camp. There'll be injuries in training camp, hopefully not many around the league. But the value now before the hype comes after training camp, and some of the numbers move. So the value changes during or after training camp. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. If you miss any portion of the show, it's always podcast at LV Sports Network. I'm at JT the Brick on Facebook and on Twitter. Tomorrow morning, double shot. I'm on from 9 to noon, 9 a.m. to noon on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Then noon to 2 here. Five hours nonstop with a 30-second break when we dial up at noon. So tomorrow's going to be a fun day. And it's the summer. And we're doing some summer features And we're going to come up on the radio with the Raiders' all-time best team on my show on Raider Nation Radio. Excited about that.